Welcome to the Stoic Sage. In this podcast, we are dedicated to using past knowledge tested by time to empower people of today. This podcast series includes discussions around modern challenges utilizing wisdom from nearly 2,000 years ago with the goal of bringing about how to think rather than what to think. Welcome to the journey to sagehood. I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who overcomes his enemies. For the hardest victory is over oneself. Aristotle. Hello, my fellow Stoics. Just a quick announcement. This episode does contain spoilers for the Batman. So if you haven't seen it, then... um, Stay tuned for spoilers. (laughs) But I'm going to be more focused on the philosophical takeaways of the Batman because it was a cinematic masterpiece in my opinion, but there was definitely a lot of things to take from it from a philosophical standpoint. And as I've said in the podcast beforehand, and as Stoics have said in the past as well, that it's important that we look at life in with openness for wisdom because you can draw wisdom from everything not just from your experiences not just from the people around you not from just mentors but from your daily life your your daily adversity the daily things that you see and play and and communicate with those are also things that you can pull wisdom from So a couple of awesome things I wanted to point out about this movie first and foremost is one, as I mentioned, it's a cinematic masterpiece. I'm actually really impressed with this movie. It kind of blew my mind. It it kept me on the edge of my seat the entire nearly three hours. (laughs) Uh, Secondly, I personally watched it three times and and (laughs) And there were a lot of philosophical elements in this movie that I just had to rewatch. And um, like I said, it was it was so great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, this movie. All the characters did did such an amazing job at telling the story, or should I say, all the actors did a terrific job at telling a really good story. Uh, and the director Matt Reeves is is really really phenomenal in how this story was was told. So let's start with Batman or Bruce Wayne. Each character, I think we could argue is the most stoic. Well, I think we could argue that Batman and Bruce Wayne are uh, the most stoic superheroes that we have ever had in, in comics. Literally living by what most stoics would argue is the most important virtue, which is justice. Now, in this movie, he lives by vengeance. It's a coming of Batman's story where he learns justice is the real code to live by, not by vengeance. But there was a a very interesting thing uh, aside from that, which is um, the first philosophical point that I wanted to bring up, which was the atoning for your father's sins. That was such a core thing that Bruce Wayne had to... Um, really battle with throughout this movie. Now, there seems to be this weird idea that atoning for sins means being punished in some way. But 
you are punished by your continued actions of which your parents give you. That's that's the thing that I want to make the distinction about. You are punished by continuing those actions. You aren't punished with a bad life, like because it's a reference from the Bible, right? So you don't necessarily go through life and then because of your father, you are punished with bad luck or something. That's not really what that was talking about in the Bible. And there are a lot of philosophical elements um, biblically, right? So your interaction to right the wrongs that were given to you are the things that you need to atone for. That's the key thing that really surprised me with this take on this story. In the Batman, the Riddler points out that the Waynes were murderers as they had a reporter killed for releasing details of Martha Wayne's mental health under the care of Arkham Asylum, which was proven false. But Thomas Wayne just wanted to take care of his wife's image, regardless of how it looked for his campaign for mayor. Uh, Falcone, however, wanted him in his back pocket, so he murdered the reporter. Uh, That's basically how it all happened. Now, the Riddler believes that it was the Wayne's fault in getting involved in dirty politics, which led to the death and consequently, or led to their death, and consequently the funds and plans to help out the city, and particularly the Riddler himself, were taken advantage of by the mob and the corruption throughout the city. Uh, This actually left the Riddler to grow up in an underfunded orphanage. This was the sin that the Riddler wanted Bruce Wayne to pay for. He needed to atone for this sin. And he, and as far as Bruce was concerned, though, the only way to help out the city was for Batman to take out the bad guys and stop the corruption. And in this case, Riddler felt that Bruce's uh, interaction or inaction were the sins that he needed to atone for. The fact that he didn't do anything. He just grew up being a rich kid. Riddler's goal was for that sin to be paid for in blood. As as I was watching this movie, I kept thinking to myself, there is a, a shred of truth in, in this that, that can be turned into wisdom for our world. And it hit me, right? For for our world, not, n- not the, the world of DC, but <laughs> how does atoning for the sins of your father actually work? What kind of wisdom can we pull from this particular storytelling. Now, as Cicero and Zeno and many other philosophers would say, we are creatures of habit. I actually have a short series called Creatures of Habit. Most of the habits uh, are learned and passed down by your parents. Those are initial key habits, the kind of the shaping of your personality. And the sins of your father, in a way, rings true as the things you do as an adult, you took on as habits at early childhood. You must atone for them and and by, by ridding yourself of those habits, especially those that don't serve you, like a bad reputation uh, that has been passed down to you. Very simple and real-world example that would, that is often overlooked that I'll actually de- um, describe right now is um, in relationships. If your father was an inconsistent lover, you surely saw and learned that inconsistency, what inconsistency looked like. 
and if your mother accepted it, then this is what you believe to be love is like. Or so like, um, for example, um, love bombing is a big one. Or um, you only show expressions of love in big grand gestures. That's the only time you see your parents doing anything for love. You grow up thinking that that's what love is. It's inconsistent. Now, many women will not accept this. Therefore, you are tainted with the sins of your parents, which you will have to atone for in order to be successful in your relationships with other women. In this speaking from a man's perspective, but also for women too. You have to atone for those sins, the habits that were passed down to you that are creating further issues. Because if you don't atone for those particular sins that you have brought on by your parents, that have been given to you by your parents, you are more than likely going to pass them down to your children. Because that's what what you were raised to believe. And in this particular case, that's what you were uh, raised to believe love was. And you're going to pass it down to your children. So another example could be expressing your emotions. Uh, I'm like, for example, I'm a man and I have to be tough. Okay. So you can't express emotions. Like who taught you that? And if you think back, maybe as a child, you didn't feel safe expressing your emotions because you were ridiculed for expressing. Or maybe when you tried to express your emotions, your parents didn't validate them, so you learn to close off. Then you have your partner wondering why you don't open up. And you're just, you just chalk it up to, well, I'm a man. I have to be a man because I've been taught that as a man, I can't express my emotions. I have to be tough. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> now it's impacting your relationships. Now you are creating further problems and further issues. And then when you have children with this woman, you're going to teach that exact same thing to your boys. And then there goes the cycle. That sin is never, um, you know, righted or what's the word? It, it's never resolved. Now, the final example, maybe your parent, maybe your, maybe your partner loves and needs physical intimacy where you cuddle, caress one another, hold one another, reach for the for the other's hands, you find that you don't really desire that. Or it isn't, it doesn't come naturally to you to want to do that or to desire that. Why now, why don't you like that? Right? Maybe your partner tells you that. Why, why, why don't you reach for me? Well, that's just who I am. Is no excuse for the biological need that would create bonding chemicals that would come from physical intimacy. You can't just say, well, that's just who I am. No, there's a reason for who you are. Why do you do the things that you do? Think back to how you were raised. Again, back to creatures of habit. How were you raised? Think back, think back to, to those core memories. Did your mother or father reach for you to give you physical affection? Did you find comfort in their embrace? Or did they provide you with physical comfort in that way, in any way? That's That might be the reason why you don't really crave that. Because you've learned to live without it. But as the, as the real world and your biology would have you actually know, it's something that's required to maintain relationships. 
So there it goes again. You are continuing that sin of what your parents taught you. Now, that's the interesting part, right? So as I mentioned in my short series, the way you rid yourself of these habits is to consistently reflect on oneself. Why do I do the things that I do? Why do I respond and think the way that I do to daily life? What is the core memory associated with this action or inaction? Who taught me to think and feel this way? When you recognize that, hey, my relationship isn't doing so hot because of this common argument. When you recognize those things and you start kind of pinpointing them, these are common things that I keep running into. So what are you to do? Like Stoics have repeatedly said, circumstances reveal you to yourself. Back to what I was mentioning. Ask yourself, why do I do the things that I do? And then be mindful of the things that you do and then figure out a more appropriate response. Replace those responses. Literally create new neural pathways when you realize that this response does not um, serve you anymore, right? And begin at once to be who you want to be. Now, it's no easy task, of course. I mean, there's a reason why some people need therapy and have to continue to go to therapy for years to actually rid themselves of these bad habits. These things that don't serve them anymore. It's not easy. If you need to do CBT therapy, uh, then do it. Think about what you want to be and then do what you must. We are at a point in human history where we have more knowledge at our disposal. Don't my, my whole thing is don't utilize stoicism as a way to crush your emotions. You are supposed to feel. The point about stoicism is not allowing those emotions to control you. But by having anger outbursts because you don't know how to feel. That, like <laughs> That's not what you should be doing. That's what ends up becoming the case. Because you don't know how to feel, at least not yet, at least in some cases, right? If you don't know how to feel. But that's the atoning for the sin portion that really got me going. Got me really excited because I was like, oh man, I remember writing about this. I remember talking about this in a previous episode of my podcast. But that's for atoning the sins. Now, that's, now something else I wanted to talk about is the amount of emotional control that Batman had. There was a moment in the movie where Batman was questioning the Riddler and he begins to slam on the glass angrily. Now, a lot of people, you know, may note this as, oh, he didn't control himself and whatnot because the throughout the entire movie, he was calm and collected and very stoic. But I want to point out these moments specifically because they tell a bigger picture, right? Anybody can be stoic. Anybody can be emotionless. Anybody can do that. But it's when you are tested that determines how stoic you actually are. So that's why I'm going to point out a couple of these moments of which he kind of, quote unquote, loses control. Now, when he slams on the the glass angrily, did he lose control? I argue no. Uh, There was another moment um, 
where you find him screaming in anger as he knows his home is being targeted by the Riddler, which led to Alfred taking a bomb at close range. Did he let fear control him? No, I, I would say no. And I point this exa these examples out because of the misconceptions that, again, people have about Stoics. I know people would say that he lost his cool, but let's look back to Seneca and a common story that I consistently refer to where he was on a boat and he encountered a storm with a group of other men. Not being a sailor himself, naturally he flipped out and cried in terror. And when the storm passed, all the people made fun of him because, oh, the great Stoic is, is losing his mind. Ha ha ha. Hardy har har. You know, that's essentially what happened. And in his teased moments, right, he thought to himself, he reasoned that emotional responses to humanly possible scenarios are natural. He concluded that while he may have got, gotten a little too scared, he didn't do anything that would actually make the situation worse. Hence, he maintained some level of control. He argued, I could have done better, and I will, because this was the first storm that he ever encountered, but he revealed his, his actions to himself further becoming a better stoic for example a couple things that he didn't do right to make the situation worse was he didn't jump and abandon ship he didn't sabotage the sailors by trying to help when he knew he didn't have the knowledge to do so so how you control your responses to outside events define a stoic mindset but we must not forget that while we are very rational beings and capable of reasoning with our emotions, we are still nonetheless emotional beings. Having emotional responses are natural, but what makes you stoic is how you choose to respond um, to those things that are outside of your control. In the case of Batman screaming bloody murder in the car while he was driving to save Alfred, he was already doing everything possible that he could. He was in control of his actions doing everything necessary by calling ahead and focusing on driving there. Had he, had he actually lost his mind and started driving recklessly, leaving more damage in his path, that would have been very unstoic of him. But even after meeting up with Alfred in the hospital, I mean, he could have gone belligerent, right? Maybe hurting a nurse, maybe slamming on glass and causing more destruction. But no, he remained calm. This is the level of restraint to terrible situations that Stoics have. They can feel, and that's okay. They can be distressed and have natural reactions, but it is in your uh, responses that determine the type of virtue you choose to maintain. In the case of Batman uh, slamming on the window, we should recognize that he, first and foremost, is a detective, the world's greatest detective. And it really sh they really showcase that in the movie, too. So he is going to do what is necessary to get information out of the Riddler. For justice, it is at times necessary to exert force or intimidation for the higher good, even if that means making yourself seem desperate to extract specific information. I mean, could you say that Stoics should be manipulators? No, that's not what I'm saying. But play your role correctly. Like, do, do what you must right? And he didn't really, again, he didn't really lose control. He just kind of slammed the glass to intimidate the guy and then got up and left. That was really it. 
nothing else. He could have grabbed the table, uh, not the table, the chair, and slammed it against the glass. He could have continued to try to break it. He could have used some of his um, bombs on his um, belt, right? His little gadgets and try to throw them at the glass to really get at the guy. But he didn't, right? There is more excessive things that you could do. And just because somebody has an emotional response out of frustration or being slightly angry doesn't mean that you can call that person unstoic. You know, it's like I have debates online, for example. I get a little rowdy sometimes and get really frustrated. And then somebody, you know, always snarky once they know that it's the stoic sage talking to them. They would say, oh, that's not very stoic. And I'm like, I'm allowed to have responses, but <laughs> I'm not going to find you. I'm not going to track you down and dox you. Like, I'm not going to start calling you names, though. I'm not going to, um, you know, do unnecessary things that would otherwise tarnish my virtue. I can get frustrated, sure, and that's okay. But I, you know, when I am arguing, I usually stick to the topic and maybe I'm a little sarcastic, <laughs> but that's really about it. Otherwise, you know, how you decide to respond determines how stoic you are. And no, you don't need to respond completely emotionless to be defined as stoic, but control yourself. That's the main thing. Other than all those things, though, he remained stoic, calm, collected, and menacing. Due you know, to this attitude, he was trusted by Commissioner Gordon. He wasn't just a psycho in a bat suit. In many ways, in today's society, we actually naturally trust those who are calm and collected, who don't act out their emotions. This is a big reason why so many people love Batman so much. His resilience and persistent nature to solve crime. We may at times find ourselves feeling safe with those who have, like, you know, the look, for example. You know, we, we may find ourselves feeling safe with people who look like they're capable, right? And yes, they can say like, oh, I'm also big and uh, very muscular and strong. And if somebody tries to have a problem with me, you know, of course, you're going to feel more safe around them. But there is a difference with when you are with somebody who is a hothead, who is physically intimidating, and somebody who is calm and collected, right? It's the mindset, the stoic mindset. You seem more capable, more trusting, more resilient, and more courageous. So... Don't focus so much on the physicality of many things. Sometimes it is a powerful mind that becomes the strongest leader. Sometimes it is the, the person who is resilient and who is in control of their own emotions that is more trustworthy. And that, my friends, is why I think Batman is a, is a stoic. And those are some of my philosophical takeaways as well as far as how we can utilize those and take from mainstream media and, and uh, mainstream um, movies and whatnot, you can take wisdom from everything. You just have to look for it. You have to be open to it and have to be open to applying it as well. That's the key thing. And understanding why so many people also love these characters that we want to continuously see in the theaters today. I mean, the 
you know the Stokes thought of these exact same scenarios and stories when people would say, oh, I like Poseidon to be my patron. I pray to Poseidon. Oh, but why? That's culture, right? You, They have to figure out or they want to understand why do people trust this person? And that's how our philosophy continues to develop. You figure out what draws people to these particular um, types of people or events. But let me know what you think about uh, about the Batman. And hope I didn't spoil too much. I kind of left it a little, um, left out a lot of details. But <laughs> you get the the idea as far as what kind of philosophical takeaways. But when you watch this movie, if you want to watch it again or haven't watched it, think about the philosophy behind a lot of these things. I mean, these... If, if you don't want to watch the movie because Batman is overdone already and you're annoyed of it and whatnot, watch it for gaining wisdom because you can gain wisdom from everywhere. And with that being said, thank you all for listening in and really appreciate it. Have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help out the show. If you would like to check out Stoic Sage merch or read about the blog, please go to stoicsage.co. Also, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, don't forget to become a member for our new exclusive Stoic Sage episodes. You can sign up using the link in the bio. I wish you well, fellow Stoics, on your path to sagehood.